All right, Mark chapter number one, and uh, we're going to go back in a little bit here and kind of clean up some of this that we saw last time and get, uh, I think we got into verse 32, and uh, then uh, we'll um, see where we're at here. Uh, Verse 32, and at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick of divers' disease, and cast out many devils, and and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. So we have the issue here in Mark 1, verse 32, really kind of the second or or, uh, third miracle here. But again, we're beginning to the, the look here at those five miracles. The issue in the miracles is to validate uh, his message, which we saw in verse 14 and 15, to validate his ministry and then ministers that he's called. That's in verse 16 to 20. And now he's, the issue with the healing ministry of the Lord is he's not just healing people. He doesn't have a healing ministry. Uh, You see it on TV, the healing ministry of so-and-so and and all this stuff. And that is not the case in the Gospels. It's not the case in Scripture. Uh, The the miracles, uh, the mighty wonders, the wonders, the signs, the wonders, and the mighty wonders, the miracles are all designed to validate the message that's being taught alongside the miracle. And you'll notice something here as we go along. The, the issues here, we're going to clean up a couple things. I had an email, so I thought we'd go back and actually look at the verses instead of me saying them. Uh, if you look here at verse 32, and at even, when the sun did set, so evening, uh, he's had a long day, and uh, it, the day's not over, verse 35, and in the morning... <laughs> rising up a great while. So there's an issue that's going on here, verse 33, and all the city was gathered together at the door. The door is to Peter's house. That's where they're at. And if you can imagine, uh, verse 28, and immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region around about Galilee, you know, they, the old saying was the three fastest forms of communication, telegraph, telephone, telewoman. That was the three fat. Now they didn't have the internet. They didn't have. I don't. They didn't have telegraphs. They didn't have. So I'm not sure how the fame was published abroad, but it is. And then everybody showed up at Peter's house. And if you think about that, that that's just tremendous. You know, you come out, you open the door, and there's all. There's the whole city there. And uh, again. The healing of Peter's mother-in-law, it actually, you know, it's interesting is it takes place after he cast out the unclean spirit. So he, so the satanic power has been defeated. Now the healing begins to take place, and that's all pictures of what's what's going on. So again, the two healing issues here: the casting out of the unclean spirits, the devils. And then the healing of all manner of diseases, those two things are the, the two signs that are synonymous and, well, really are constantly joined together, especially here in the earthly ministry of Christ. And it has to do with the kingdom and the coming deliverer. So, again, verse 33, and, uh, and all the city was gathered together at the door. Verse 34, and he healed many that were sick of divers' disease. The, the word divers, many, multiple, diversity. Not, not everybody just had the flu. Not everybody just had leprosy. <laughs> you know, actually, we'll get down. We won't look at the leper, but if you think in verse 40, and there came a leper to him, that issue, only, the only disease that is ever mentioned in the Scriptures where they're actually called by their disease is the issue of the leprosy. Because the leprosy attacks the body so bad that it mars the identity. It changes the identity. We'll look at all that next time. But the thing, you, you don't hear anyone, 
the man with the, of the palsy. He doesn't say the palsy had it. He's the man with the palsy. Or, you know, it doesn't, the guy with cancer doesn't say, hey, the, guy, the cancer guy, it's a, you know, so-and-so came. So when you think about this, he's, ha- he, he's in the middle of a very busy time. Verse 32 there, and at even, verse 35, and in the morning rising up. So the, early the next day, he's up before the sunrise. And you think about this, he's had a very busy time. Verse 29, I'm sorry, verse 21, and they went into Capernaum straightway on the Sabbath day. He entered into the synagogue and taught. So he's in the synagogue. Then in verse 29, he's at Peter's house. Then in verse 33, the whole city showed up. In verse 39, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Now you got all of Galilee showing up. Then in verse 45, uh, he's got, uh, but he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert place. And they came to him from every quarter. So his reputation just takes off. And it takes off because he's doing something that no one has done before. And that issue we looked at last time there in verse 22, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Verse 27, and they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this and what new doctrine is this? For with authority commanded he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. So his, he's doing, he's preaching, that's what he's doing, but yet he's reaching out, the fame has gone everywhere, and that's through, he's got this preaching ministry going, but it's also now the signs and the wonders connected to that. And that's those signs and wonders, the miracles and so forth, are designed to confirm what he's preaching. So verse 32, And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. They all come. Then he looks there in verse 34, He healed many that were sick, sick and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. So he does all this. He's healing and he's casting out. By the way, he tells them to shut, basically shut up. Doesn't allow the devils to talk because what they were trying to do is they're trying to align themselves with him. And that's the Satan, satanic attack. That's the tactic. If you look there at verse 24, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. He, the, Satan's tactic is to counterfeit what God's doing. So Christ says, I'm not having any part of that. You guys just move it along and you, you be quiet. But the issue here, again, with these miracles, because as we finish out chapter 1 and we're going to get into chapter 2 next time, and as we begin to move on through here, we're going to, we have to have in our back of our mind that when the Lord performs miracles, the healing and the casting out of the devils, that they're designed to teach doctrine. They're designed to confirm the doctrine that's being taught. In verse 21, when he says, and he goes into the synagogue there and taught, and they were astonished at his doctrine. He's teaching. Now, what he's teaching is verse 14 and 15. He's preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying the time is fulfilled. So everything the prophets have said, the time is here now. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So that's what he's he's preaching about, that long-promised, prophesied, kingdom and everything that's supposed the times at hand it's fulfilled it's right here and the issue is going to be his teaching he's teaching truth he's teaching doctrine 
And then he turns now and he begins to do some miracles. And the, the, the miracles are connect. There's a connection here. They're going to see the miracle. And that's gonna, then they're going to connect that with the teaching. And they're going to put the two together. Because the miracle, again, is designed to confirm, validate the doctrine teach some information, and really vice versa. He'll do a miracle, and then he'll teach the message, and the message is confirming what they just saw in the miracle. Get Luke 8 and get Acts 13. Two passages, Luke 8 and Acts 13. The miracles, they have a purpose. They're not, he's not just out there having a ministry, doing not just simply healing anyone and everybody if he wanted to do that he would just have said a word and it would have been done okay but rather it's very specific it's very it's design is that confirmation that validation also I have to remember that all of the healing the healings are restoration back to normal okay they're not a recovery act there in Mark 1, Peter's mother-in-law, he touches her, she's healed, and then she immediately goes to service, serving them. So it's a, it's, it's a moving back to restoration immediately. It's not a recovery, and then I'll see you next week, and we'll do some more on you. It's not a chiropractor adjustment. It's a complete thing. And again... It's, it's getting you back to normal activities. That's the idea. In Luke 8, again, these verses, we've looked at them the last couple of weeks. And again, just to remind ourselves, verse 1, Luke 8, verse 1. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing, again, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him. Mode Acts 13. What's he doing? That's the formula. Preaching and showing. And that formula is associated with all the miracles, especially in the Lord's earthly ministry. Paul here in Acts 13 is going to do the same thing. In Acts 13, you see Paul and Barnabas go out on their first apostolic journey. Verse 6. And when they had gone through the isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimaeus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So what do we have? We've got Elimaeus, Barjonas, the Jew here, and you've got Sergius Paulus, the Gentile. The Gentile is now wanting to hear the message because he's heard Paul teach about God is now sending salvation to the Gentiles without the Jews, apart from Israel. So what does Elimaeus do? Well, he withstood, he, he withstood them. Then Saul, who, verse 9, Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him, and said, O fool of all subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And over some time these fell on him. And, no, and immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Again, what did Sergius Paulus, the Gentile, hear? Paul just messaged, hey, <laughs> the doctrine of the Lord. He's now sending salvation to the Gentiles 
apart from Israel. Israel has been temporarily set aside. So the, the Paul's first miracle here is a dispensational picture of the blinding of Israel and salvation going to the Gentiles. And that is, the Jews resist the word of God. They resist the truth. They're going to stand in the way. And the Gentile, Sergius Paulus, pictured here, he's wanting to hear the word. So God blinded the Jews, and the Gentiles get to hear the word. So again, the miracles, uh, come back to Mark, but on your way, stop in Mark 16. So the miracles have, have that impact. The issue of, by the way, Peter's first miracle, him and John, they heal the lame man outside of the temple. Here you've got a picture of the little flock healing the impotent, downtrodden Jew and bringing them into the restoring them into the kingdom, into the temple. So you've got that constant, Peter says, I don't have money and gold, but who I do have is Jesus of Nazareth. So rise in his name. And off he goes. Mark 16, verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. And that's the clear motive, the clear understanding about the miracles. They are designed to teach and confirm the message, preaching and showing. So when you come back into chapter 1 here, and, and again, Mark is going to show us some of these miracles quickly, <laughs> moving through, and yet you got to remember that that connection here between the unclean spirit and between the casting out of the de, uh, of uh, uh, the casting out of the unclean spirit and the healing of the disease, the sick. The whole city came, and he look there at verse thirty-two. And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. So the whole city came to him, and those two categories showed up again. The two categories, casting out the unclean spirit and healing the disease, will always be there. They are announcing, come back with me to Exodus chapter 4. They are announcing that the kingdom is coming and that the deliverer is present. And you begin to see this, if you look here at Exodus 4, you see it with Moses. And I know I mentioned this last week, but we'll read the verses. In Exodus 4, actually for the first time in Scripture, does the word sign appear, and it's right here. Now, I know in Genesis there's signs, plural, but here he's talking about something very specific. Exodus 4, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it up, and it became a rod in his hand. That, now why did all that happen? That, that purpose, the intent, here it is. He says, look, what do you got? You got a rod? Do this. You do this, they'll believe the message. The message of Moses is, is God is here to deliver you. I'm here to deliver you from this captivity, the satanic captivity of Egypt. I'm the deliverer. So what happens? Verse 5. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. He says, look, Moses says, they ain't going to listen to me. And he says, yes, they will. This is what you're going to do. You're going to drop that rod down there, and it's going to become a serpent, a devil, a demon, okay, an unclean spirit. And you're going to pick it up, and you're going to, you're going to handle that. You're going to deal with it. And then you know what they'll believe? 
They'll believe the message of God's here to deliver you, and I'm the guy. Moses is the guy, not, not me. I'm, don't follow me anywhere. I'll get you lost. Now, watch verse 6. And the Lord said, Furthermore unto him, put now thy hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. Isn't that interesting? And he said, Put thy hand in thy bosom again. And he put his hand back in uh, his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the, now watch, first sign. What's the first sign? The rod, the serpent, the un, casting out of the unclean spirit. That they will believe the voice of the latter sign. What's that? Healing. The disease. So you have the first time, first time the, that term sign appears, and it appears in a, in a situation of, of a miracle, of the ability to announce to the nation of Israel, the deliverer is here. Now Israel is going to learn that when the deliverer shows up, what's coming? The kingdom. And they get associated. The, the, we, over there in Mark, he said, Wonder, you know, we, we, the Lord will have signs and wonders and mighty miracles and mighty works. And when you begin to think about that, the one, the sign, the wonder, its design is to get your attention. Okay? The mighty work, so the wonder is designed to get your attention. The mighty work is because they're supernatural, it's not normal. But then that sign, the whole of it, the sign, the voice of the first sign, the voice of the last, it's a token. It's a verification of what is being taught, the message. So these two signs literally demonstrate that the deliverer is here. So when the Lord does these, come over to Exodus 15. When the Lord does these, what he's saying... Messiah is here. The Deliverer is here. Jehovah is here. And it's time to get ready because we know when he shows up, the kingdom's coming. So repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look at Exodus 15. Because Exodus 15, this is the passage that you hear everybody use in a healing ministry. Again, the Lord is not on the earth doing a healing ministry. The Lord... Again, if he wanted to heal everybody, he could have just spoke the word, and it's gone. Okay, I mean, he'd have healed everybody, believers and unbelievers, if he spoke the word. He's, he's here doing something very specific. And yet, these verses get, they just get beat up. Verse 26, Exodus 15, well, 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. Verse 25, And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord <coughs> showed him a tree, which, when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made them, for them, a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, Jehovah, that healeth thee. Jehovah Rephekah, that's who I am. Now, again, he's, this, <laughs> the picture here, they've left Egypt, he's crossed the Red Sea, he's out teaching them, he's Jehovah. Back in ex earlier there, and I think it's in chapter 6, 5 or 6, he tells Moses, they've known me as God Almighty, the Creator, now they've got to know me as Jehovah the great provider, the deliverer, the whatever they need me to be, 
So he runs them through some tests, and the test here of the bitter waters in Mara is so that they would understand that he's Jehovah Rapha, he's the one that can heal them. So now think about what just happened. They come to the water, they see the water is what? No good. Moses goes over and a miracle happens. He throws that tree in, waters are sweet. They see it. Then Moses gives them the, if you hit, listen and hearken and do, then I'll, I'll be Jehovah who. So they literally, they see the miracle, then by faith do what he says. There's a confirmation there. There's a movement. Come over to Matthew chapter 8. There's an issue here of this issue of walking by faith. What did they see him do? Matthew 8. Heal the water. Then what does he say? If you obey my voice and hearken and do what I ask you to do and do what I tell you to do, (laughs) then I will be the Lord that heals you. Now what religion does is they twist that and they make it a big old ministry thing and there's nothing at all in any of this about ministry Uh, look at Matthew 8 now Matthew 8 verse 14 this is the same setting as Mark 1 with Peter's mother-in-law verse 14 and when Jesus was come into Peter's house he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever we we know we looked last time about the fever We went to Deuteronomy 28 and that issue of the fever there in the Leviticus, the burning ague and that consumption in this fever. And what you literally have here in in his mother-in-law is a picture of what's happening to Israel in her disobedience. She's burning up, which is what a fever does. And he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto thee. That's what happened. He healed her. He goes in, he just touches her, and she's healed. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick. Now, this is where we're at in Mark 1, okay? That it might... Notice, that... The reason he just did, verse 14, 15, and 16, is that what? It might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave them commandment to depart and to the other side. Notice he's fulfilling Isaiah 53, 4. When does he do... When does he do Isaiah 53, 4? Every book, commentary, theologian says he did that on the cross because he says he bore our infirmities. But you know what? That's not the case. He did it right here. He did it not at the cross. The, The healing is not at the cross. It was in the healing ministry demonstrating that Jesus Christ said he is who he is. That's when he took on our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. You, you follow that? He, people, you, look back there at Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 4. It, it says, Surely he had borne born our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. See, everyone goes, oh, that's Calvary, because most of Isaiah 53 is about, they say about the cross. But when you read Matthew 8, they were all sick. What did he do? He healed them. But that healing ministry, that healing that he was doing was validating who he said he was, not at the cross. So when you come back to, by the way, Matthew 8 there, it's very interesting. In verse 16, he said, And when the evening come, they brought unto him many that were possessed, and he healed all that were sick. You see that? He healed all. Go back to Mark 1, in verse 34, 
And he says that he healed many that were sick. So was it all or was it many? The answer is yes and yes. It's, the answer is it was both. Because sometimes all and many are used interchangeably. If we have us in, two of us in the room, I healed all of you. But that isn't all. That was just all that was here. Many is more than how many? Two. So now we got eight of us, and I healed all of you. So you can, you can use that in different manners, and that's really what it is. You're in Mark 1. Let's just stay there for it. There was a lot of sick people in town. That's the point. And they're at the door of, of Peter's home, and everybody that was there that needed to be healed and the devil's, the unclean spirits taken out, it was all good to go. He didn't turn any of them away. He took care of all of them. And uh, again, he, he, he doesn't heal and cast out the unclean spirits to just have something to do. It's to demonstrate that Jesus Christ is Jehovah. He is the Messiah. He is the Deliverer. He's there in their midst, and he's getting them prepared to be restored back into the kingdom. Not recover them, but to restore them. So when you come back here into Mark 1, it just, it's fascinating when you talk about the miracle issue that, and the healings that everybody, oh, we're going to have us a tent meeting, and we're going to be healing on Friday night, you know, and then healing on Saturday night, and healing on Sunday. And it's, that's not the case. That's just man's theology. And it's, it's good theology, but bad Bible doctrine. Look at Mark 1, verse 35. And in the morning, rising up, a great while before day, he went out and departed into solitary place and there prayed. Think about that. Morning, before, before sunrise. <laughs> I heard one time it was said, sunrise looks just like sunset. And that's the case. You know, you hear people talk about early in the morning, the greatest time of the day, you know, right before the sun. Actually, the coldest time of the day is about 4.30 to 6.30. It's right in there. It's the coldest part, just before the sun crest. But the issue in, in verse 35 is the, the Lord's up early. He had a long day. He, he took care of the guys in Capernaum in the, the temple there. He goes over to the synagogue. Sorry, not the temple, the synagogue. He goes with Peter's mom's mother-in-law's, takes care of that. He, he's in the whole city comes. He's had a very exhausting day. And then he's up before sunrise, but he's up to do something. And that's the point here. And that is, as he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. He goes out before the day has broke. And he prays. So prayer is very important to him. That issue of communing with the Father. And it was a very integral part of the Lord's day. Now come back with me to Isaiah 50. And catch the significance of this. And Isaiah, Isaiah paints... Uh, a prophetic picture of the Lord, especially Isaiah 40 to the end of the, down in through some of these passages. And it's very interesting, Isaiah 50. Look at verse 4, Isaiah 50, verse 4. You know, in Isaiah 42, 1, he says, Behold mine elect, my, my dearly, um, I just had it. <laughs> Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect. That's what Mark depicts him as, as the servant. So this reach back, but look at Isaiah 50 and look at verse 4. The Lord God, that's the Father, hath given me, that's the Son, the tongue of the learned, that I would know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. Now watch. He waketh me morning by morning. He waketh mine ear to hear as the learned. What's the Lord doing? 
He's up early, and he's over there praying. He's communing with the Father. The Lord God, again the Father, hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. The prayer life of the Lord here is critical. A time where he communed with the Father, and the Father did what? He gave him a word that I should, verse 4, know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. You know, I think about prayer life, that, that pouring out your heart to the Lord idea and stuff. Okay, Lord, how do I minister to these people? How do I deal with this? How do I help so-and-so? And the Lord and the Father has given him a word. Verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. And the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I should not be ashamed. He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near. And that whole issue instantly jumps to Calvary because there's an event coming that he's got to be ready for. But prior to that, in verse 4 and 5, what's he doing? He's praying. He's communing. He's getting the word. So when you come back here to Mark 1, 35, and he goes into the solitary place, uh, a desert place, as 40, verse 45 says, he goes in there, and he's communing with the Father, and he's literally getting the instructions, the word, and how to... Go now and do, and what needs to be done. So verse 35, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed him, followed after him. And when they had, notice, found him, they had to find him. He's in a solitary place. He's in a private place. You know, the... He slipped out the back door, and now he's gone. All right, where'd he go? So spread out, and they go looking for him. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Notice, he, he's just healed the whole city, the whole area. He's up praying, then, then, he, then they find him, and notice what he says in verse 38. Hey, let's go get some coffee and eggs and sausage. Well, they couldn't have sausage, so they couldn't have the eggs either. So let's just go get a little brisket or whatever. He couldn't do, say that at all. Let's get a scone, you know. What is that? Bagels with, uh, what's the fish? Uh, locks. Yeah, let's go get, you know, he, no, not at that at all. He says, Let, let's go to the next town that I may heal the sick and cast out the unclean devils. No, that I may preach. Preach the message is what he's interested in doing. So the Lord knows from the very get-go that his mission his ministry was to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, preach the, verse 14 and 15, the time is here, here's the gospel of the kingdom of God, you need to repent, you need to believe, you got to get ready, it's time guys, and he's doing that from the very beginning. Now, there's a connection here in verse 35. And in verse 38, when Christ is on mission, when he's right there doing what he needs to be doing, who did he get his mission from? The Father. He went and he prayed. He came to do the will of the Father. He's praying. He's communing with the Father. And his fa the Father, Isaiah 50, educates him. And he says, here's the truth of the word. Now let's go and do it. 
Let's get on with the preaching of the program. Verse 14 and 15. Now come over to Luke chapter 4. Because he says here in verse 38, For therefore came I forth. Look at Luke 4. Luke chapter 4. And again, this is right where we're at in Mark 1. Luke 4 verse 43. So, uh, verse 38, he's in Simon's wife's mother, was taken with a great fever. That's Luke, Dr. Luke. It's not just a fever. It's not 100. It's 108. It's a great fever. Verse 43, and he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. Now watch. For therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. He was sent. He understood why, go back to Mark 1, he understood why the Father sent him. And he understood the program in which he was now to go and to do. He understood how to do it as the servant. That's where we're at in Mark 1. He understands that issue of having that prayer life. And he goes and he prays and the Father educates him and gives him the ear and brings him. Because a servant has to have the instructions from the master. A servant will never just go and do on his own. Now, the steward of the house does that. But he's not the steward, he's the servant. And that's the issue here. He's communing with the Father about the Father's will, His Word, what He wants done. And what does He do? He comes in, verse 38, and He said unto them, Let us go into the next towns that I may, what? Preach there. He didn't come to heal. He didn't come to cast out the unclean spirits. He came to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And as He did that preaching ministry, he then validated it with signs and wonders and mighty works. And that's where we're at. So he comes in, verse 39, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. And again, connected to the preaching is this issue of casting out the devils. The preaching was to... Restore Israel out of that spiritual captivity that they were in. They're underneath the satanic captivity. Leviticus 26. They're underneath the whole of it. And he comes in and he is going to deliver, restore them. And he does it by preaching. Okay? Now, last time, did we look last time at Zechariah 13? But we should do that. Let's go back to Zechariah 13. I don't remember if we did. We looked at Exodus 4 just now. Look at Zechariah 13. Zechariah 13. Because the issue of casting out the unclean spirit, the devils, um, is important to have in the back of our mind as well. Zechariah 13, verse 1. In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanliness. John the Baptist came preaching... Repent for the, uh, or, uh, he came preaching baptism of repentance for remission of sins. There's the fountain. By the way, the, that day, this is about the second coming. This isn't about the cross. It isn't about his first coming. It's about the second coming. Verse 2, and it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land. Now, if you think about that cutting off the idols out of the land. <laughs> Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 over there talks about the Gentiles that worship the idols. And uh, really, he's, they're worshiping the devils behind the idols. He's going to come in now. He's going to cut off all of that. I, when the Lord... In, or, uh, in, in Genesis 11 there at the Tower of Babel, and he spreads out, scatters out the Gentiles. He then literally assigns to each nation a god. 
little g, God. And he's going to now cut all that out of the land. The cutting out of the land is what's key here. And they shall no more be, verse 2, be remembered. And also I will cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. Remember that guy, we're going to see him in Mark 5 over there, the legion. And he says, don't kick us out of the land. He doesn't care about not being in the guy anymore. He doesn't want to be cast out of the land. And the reason for that is, is because the satanic policy of possession is to disrupt and to mar the land. Make the land, hold that land in captivity. You, you remember Joshua? Uh, those guys going to go into the land over there. And they go and they send the spies in. And the Canaanites are there. The Canaanites weren't supposed to be there, but they are. What were they doing? They were possessing the lands. Number 30, Numbers 33, Moses tells him, we're going to go in and dispossess the land, the inhabitants from the land. That's the idea here. You see, that legion guy, the unclean spirit there in Mark 1, are you come to destroy? The time isn't right for you to destroy us, you know, arguing with the Lord. He knows that the deal is, is they're to possess the land. They're to hold it. They're to corrupt it. They're carrying out that issue of, of, of Satan's hold on Israel. Now watch verse 3. And it shall come to pass that when any shall yet prophesy, then his father and his mother that begat him shall say unto him, Thou shalt not live, for thou speakest lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and his mother that begat him shall thrust him through when he prophesied. Now, that's in the kingdom. Anyone claiming to be speaking, and they're going to come over here and speak about the false gods, guess what's going to happen to them? Immediately they are killed. So when you come back to Mark 1, the connection to all, with all of this, the unclean spirits, they are, they have inhabited the people of Israel in the land. That's why the Lord will look at them and say, you have your father the devil. Talking about the scribes and the, and the, the elders and the chief priests and all that. They're in spiritual captivity. They're going to possess the land. They've marred the land. And he's in there trying to kick them out, get them out. Now look at verse 40. We'll have to pick up here because verse 40, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The leper and then the guy, the, 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 the palsy in chapter 2, these two guys are connected, so we're going to do them next time, okay? But notice that he's called leper, the leper. Because leprosy, again, it's the only disease that I've noticed in Scripture that actually carries the name. Because the, the leprosy has an impact on the identity of the person. It consumes their flesh. Now, leprosy in the Scripture is a sign of sin. It's a sign of, of spiritual uncleanliness. That's why they are cast out of the camp, you go down there, go down the road. <laughs> we got a leper camp down because leprosy, the issue of leprosy here it mars their identity, but yet in the healing of it, there's more going on than just the physical healing. It's an, it, it was an uncleanliness that is what separated them away from the... the privilege and the benefits that God had given Israel as a nation. They were sent outside of the congregation. They were sent outside of the camp. They're put down the road. So they could never participate in the good stuff that the nation was getting. They couldn't come to worship. 
They couldn't come and partake in everything. They had to be, they had to be made clean. And they, uh, so there's an issue here that is going to be addressed now in the end of chapter 1 and then into chapter 2 with the palsy that, that the Lord is going to address here because he's literally, by the way, verse 41, and Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And so he's going to come in now and he's going to take away the issue of leprosy here that is literally taking away their identity as Israel. So he's going to, they got to be made clean, and uh, he's going to heal them. That's why he's going to say, and he straightway charged him and forthwith sent him away and said unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And he's going to go do Leviticus 14 there and the clean, the cleanse thing for the leprosy. But yet the guy runs out and began to publish it much and, and it, it, it made everybody come and, he, and the Lord couldn't get a break. So he had to leave. He had to get out of town. Had to get it. Every quarter came to him now. But the issue here about the leper and again, there's a connection with chapter 2 and the, Pauls, the, the palsy, and we'll look into all that next time, just as we did with, with Peter and his mother-in-law and so forth, because they're connected. So as we get moving here, kind of repeat from what we did last time a little bit, but that issue of these miracles, he, he's not on a healing mission. He's not on a casting out the devil's mission. He's on a preaching mission, and he uses the signs and the wonders and the miracles to demonstrate, to validate the message that he's preaching. Okay, so we'll pick up at the end of chapter 1, look at the uh, leper, and then uh, move on, okay, next time. All right? Okay, I gave you back a few more minutes this evening, so that'll make up for Sunday, right? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening. We thank you for your word, for the look here into it, and for just uh, our ability to rejoice in everything that you're doing. In your name we pray. Amen.